Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in part three of his teaching in Galatians 2, 15 through 21, called The Truth Will Set You Free. Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region. And he'd become very rich through cheating. And he tried to get a look at Jesus. I love this. But he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, when Jesus came, he looked up, and he saw Zacchaeus, and he called him by name and said, Zacchaeus. And he said, quick. Come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Okay, so first of all, what is going on? If you're Zacchaeus, you know you're a little cheater. As Alistair Begg so graciously puts it, the little cheat was up the tree. (laughs) He had been ripping people off, taking advantage of the system that he was overseeing. And here comes Jesus. And I love this because Jesus is God. So Jesus knew Zacchaeus would be there. I love that, I would, how, you know, like the coolest thing in basketball is when like somebody does a no-look pass. They're just like, and you're like, never knew. Wouldn't it have been so cool if Jesus was just like, Zacchaeus is up here. He's like, Zacchaeus, get down. Didn't even look. That would have been cool. I don't know why Jesus didn't do that. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> but it does say he looked up, so we'll take it. But Jesus knew he would be there. I believe that Jesus does this all the time throughout his ministry. He knows someone's going to be there, so he goes there. He seeks out people who are lost. That is the God that we serve this morning. I think of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus shows up at this well knowing full well (laughs) that she'll be there. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Oh, there's always grumblers. Chronic complainers, I call them. He has gone down to be a guest at a, what does he say, a notorious sinner, as if they're not sinners sitting there saying this. They grumbled. Oh my gosh, he's going to Zacchaeus' house? Doesn't he know we have five bedrooms and a lovely dining room and we're Jewish and we've been to synagogue? Right? Jesus picked the little cheat. Let's go have dinner. And this is the best part of the story. It says, meanwhile, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, catch this, please see this church. Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus did not give Zacchaeus a list of rules and say, you need to check off these boxes, and then I'll come back and see if you're good enough. Zacchaeus said, Lord, in the presence of the Savior, Jesus Christ, he saw his sin for what it was. He repented, and he was given salvation. That is the hope of Christianity this morning. It is not about doing certain things. It is not about earning favor with God. And some of you this morning are in this room and you are working so hard. And you should not be working because you have a loving father who has already given you forgiveness. And you keep trying to earn it. 
Some of you this morning battle real struggles like anxiety and depression. And you find yourself in this cycle where you feel like God loves you for a minute and then you fade into the background and you distance yourself from fellowship, from time with God, from prayer, from his word. You distance yourself and silence yourself in worship because you feel like you are not worthy. But Jesus is screaming at us this morning through this text and saying, I have already declared you righteous. You don't have to earn it. Bring all of your burdens. Bring all of your baggage to me. Zacchaeus was given salvation because he simply saw the Savior, saw his sin for what it was, saw a need for a Savior. He called upon him, repented, and salvation was his. Did Zacchaeus go on to live a perfect life? No. But he was given salvation because he saw the Savior and he repented. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous given for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Turn back to Galatians chapter 2, and we'll pick it up in verse 17. And it says in 17, and Paul continues to give us some big ideas here, but suppose that we seek to be made right by uh, by God through faith in Christ, and we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. He says, would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system I've already torn down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. This is the NLT. So that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live this earthly, in this earthly body, trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I think of the law here like this. It is impossible to earn favor with God through the law, through our works, through our merit. We've established that this morning. Paul has made it abundantly clear in the text. So if it is impossible, Paul poses this question then to the, the person who might have you know, concern about what he's just said. So Paul says, so if we, would Christ be a minister of sin and basically set us up for failure if we could earn it through the law? And the idea is that he says, absolutely not. And it all, if there's any confusion on this passage, it all boils back down to this. It is impossible to earn it through the law. And that's what Paul is continuing to emphasize here. He says in 18, I'm a sinner If I rebuild the old system, I've been delivered from the law. The law is there to show me my need for a savior. You know, we have these light up speed signs now, right? So they, they, if you're like me, they're always saying slow down, right? (laughs) A lot of honesty right here, okay? No, I've actually driven a lot slower. I got an older car with big tires, and so now I don't, I can't go that fast. I need gas for the whole week, okay? And so... The sign flashes at you and says, whoa, sinner, (laughs) right? The law is like the sign. It says, hey, but the sign doesn't save you. So back to my analogy, the sign doesn't make me slow down. It shows me I should slow down, but it does not make me slow down. I slow down when I finally surrender my desire to drive fast and burn fuel, and I slow down. And so the law in many ways is like that. It is there to show us our need for a savior, 
to show us that we can't do it. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't try to rebuild the old system. You don't need to. I think of my Jehovah's Witness friend who is trying still to earn it through his merit and what he's done. If the law played a part in my salvation, then what happens when I can't keep it? I would never find freedom. It would be impossible to be made right before God. And that is why Jesus' death on the cross is absolutely necessary. It says in the book of Hebrews, we're going through this with the young adults on Sunday nights in chapter 11, that it is only one way that we can please God, and it is through faith, right? Now, my iPad just died, and the rest of my notes were on there, so that's okay. They're on my phone, actually. I thought I charged it last night. It was one of those things. And so there's this idea in the text Paul is saying it's through faith. The author of Hebrews says it's through faith that we please God. There is no other way. Now, it says in verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. The call on the life of a Christian is a life of cruciformity, conforming to the cross. Jesus says in the book of Matthew that if you follow me, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. There's this idea that the life that we now live is in view of the cross, dying to self. But cruciformity in Jesus does not end in death. It ultimately and fundamentally ends in glorious resurrection for the believer. It is a call to die to self to have ultimate life in Jesus Christ. And if you understand that this morning and you have come to a place where you have found salvation in Jesus Christ, that is fundamental for you this morning. We must realize then that a gospel-driven life, please hear this, inevitably leads to a crucified life. A gospel-driven life inevitably leads to a crucified life. That means that I die to myself, I die to my own wants and desires, and I live for Jesus. To be crucified with Christ, I love this. This was in a commentary that I read this week. To be crucified with Christ does not mean that we stop living, it means that Christ lives in us. And we find true life through living a crucified life. There is freedom in surrender. There's all these oxymorons in the scriptures. If I told that to somebody who has no concept of the gospel, they would think I was nuts. Because in every worldly example, when you talk about you know, battles and war, uh, surrender doesn't usually mean freedom. You look at the Old Testament, when armies surrendered, it usually was not good for the army that had just surrendered. It meant that they would be taken into a new land. You can see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel's life. Babylon takes over and they, they have to surrender to Babylon and, and then there they are. They're now slaves to Babylon. In captivity. This single verse in scripture, I don't think there is many other verses that more accurately describe what it is to live the Christian life. It is now Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the freedom that we have this morning. That truth sets you free this morning. Free from the baggage that you have carried around for however long. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Shane in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Shane, right here on Walk in Truth. That means that I die to myself, I die to my own wants and desires. And I live for Jesus. To be crucified with Christ, I love this. This was in a commentary that I read this week. To be crucified with Christ does not mean that we stop living. It means that Christ lives in us. And we find true life through living a crucified life. There is freedom in surrender. There's all these oxymorons in the scriptures. If I told that to somebody who has no concept of the gospel, they would think I was nuts. Because in every worldly example, when you talk about you know, battles and war, uh, surrender doesn't usually mean freedom. You look at the Old Testament, when armies surrendered, it usually was not good for the army that had just surrendered. It meant that they would be taken into a new land. You can see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel's life. Babylon takes over and they, they have to surrender to Babylon. And, and then there they are. They're now slaves to Babylon in captivity. This single verse in scripture, I don't think there is many other verses that more accurately describe what it is to live the Christian life. It is now Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the freedom that we have this morning. That truth sets you free this morning. Free from the baggage that you have carried around for however long. Paul says in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. It's even better if I die. Because he understands where he's going because he has assurance because of what Jesus has done. And that is your hope this morning, church. It's not a faith in some random message. It's faith in a God who loves you and gave himself up for you and keeps to his promises. He is sovereign, he is righteous, he is holy. You know, our world uses the the word faith a lot, right? How many people have you talked to who are not Christians and when there's something terrible that happens, they say, we just gotta have faith. We just gotta have faith. I believe that they mean well, but your faith is only as valuable as the thing in which it's placed. If I put my faith in my car, and it breaks down tomorrow, that's not a very good faith. And it's 22 years old. So there's a lot of variables there. But when I put my faith in a perfect God who is righteous and holy, that is a legitimate faith. That is a faith that will carry me through trials. That is a faith that will continue to persevere through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows 
of this life. That is one of my favorite songs we've been doing lately, Highs and Lows. I absolutely love that song because I can resonate with it so much. Because some days I am like David in the Psalms. You turn the page and on one page, David's like, I love you, God. Thank you. You are so great. I love you. Everything's great. And then you turn the page. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then David's like, what happened? God is gone. Everything's done. I have no hope. And I'm like, yep, I do that. Thanks, Dave. That is my life sometimes. But my faith has to be built on something much greater than my emotions and what I feel. And I'm afraid that in many Christian circles today, that is what is being taught, what you feel. Your feelings are not the voice of God. God's voice is God's voice. And he speaks in different ways, and sometimes you will be stirred through your emotions. But if we go with every turn of our emotions, it's going to be a disaster. We have to be steadfast. And this is really the question that I pose before the church this morning. Do these truths in the scripture, the idea that I cannot earn it, that I don't deserve it, but yet he gave himself away, that is the kind of love that our God has for us this morning. Do I allow that truth to determine how I live my life? I can know that truth, but until I walk in it, it is meaningless. I have to trust in that this morning and walk in it. And that means that when I leave this building this morning, maybe for some of you, this is a fresh start this morning to say, I am going to stop trying to be good enough because I'm going to continue to fail. You will be stuck in this vicious cycle where you feel good, you're not good. You feel good, you're not good. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is built on a truth that stays constant through every up and down in this life. And your feelings and your emotions are valid, but they do not dictate who God is or where you stand in relationship with him. When we fail, do we look to these truths for hope? Or do we fade into the background? I think some of us have a terrible tendency to do that. When we make a mistake, we distance ourselves from the very God who's calling on us to come closer. And some of you this morning are carrying guilt from a decision that you made years ago. For some of you this morning, it might have been an abortion that you had a previous marriage or relationship, mistakes that you made within a relationship, drug abuse, addiction, pornography. There are weights and guilt that you're carrying this morning. And the call on our life as Christians is to lay those burdens at the feet of our Savior who has already given himself up for us and saved us. That is the type of faith that we have. It is not a... a, some sort of random chance, and hopefully we are good enough. If you've called on the name of Jesus this morning, salvation is yours. You've been saved. And we know that, you know, it's not open-ended in that sense that James talks about how good relationship with God calls for good works. But it is not your works that save you. Simply put, if I love my wife, I seek to do things that are good for her, not bad for her. On a greater scale, if I love Jesus... I will seek to do things that please him and not the opposite. But I have to understand that I'm going to fail. I heard Francis Chan speaking, and we can have the band come out. And he was talking about, you know, prayers after the service. And, you know, he he said he spoke at a a youth conference. But it was a, a youth conference 
well, it was, a, it was a parenting conference for people who had teenagers. It was something like that. I don't exactly remember the, the, the setting. But I know that this is what happened, is that Francis Chan had multiple people come up to him, and they said, can you pray for my son, Derek? He, he smokes a lot of weed, and I'd really prefer that he didn't do that, and I would really love him to just get rid of this, this addiction that he has. Or, you know, my son is living with his girlfriend, and I've told him a thousand times he shouldn't be living with his girlfriend, and they're just defying me. And, they're, and, and, and Francis Chan said, none of the requests were bad requests. It wasn't like I was not going to pray that Derek would stop smoking weed. But, and I love this, Francis Chan said, I suppose that a better prayer would be that Derek would love Jesus more. Because if Derek loves Jesus more, then he will not want to do things that are against the heart of God. If you want change in your life, know Jesus more. He will change you. He is the perfect partner to have in a relationship. And that you can look to him. He is the perfect example. He never stops loving you. It is not a conditional love. He will guide you in the right direction every time. And the closer you get to him, the more holy you will become, there's this idea in Scripture that we are, are being made like God. That means it's a process of sanctification. That means that you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall short. And as we close with this song this morning, the bridge says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong within me. My flesh may fail, but God, you never will. So give me faith to trust what you say. What we read this morning, I pray that when we sing these songs, we would pray them that we would make it our prayer this morning as a church. As we sing right now, give me faith to trust what you say, to know that you're good and your love is great and I'm broken inside, so God, I give you my life. That's the lyrics that we're about to sing this morning and I pray that we would not just sing them because we know them, but we would sing them to a God this morning who hears us, who is righteous and desires to do that very work within our heart. Amen? Amen. Let's worship together. You've been listening to The Truth Will Set You Free, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance's teaching in Galatians 2, 15-21. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, or Part 1 or 2 of it, listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, you can listen on our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can listen to the episodes in Galatians that you may have missed. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast while you're working from home or while you're cooking or while you're on your evening walk. And also, if you listen on iTunes or iPodcast, would you please give us a rating? The more good ratings, the more people will see our program as it goes to the top of the list. So thanks for doing that. And remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the gospel is such good news. And uh, yesterday I shared a little bit about my stepdad passing away. And, uh, you know, every family goes through uh, difficulty and loss. And it is the hope of the gospel that there is hope beyond the grave. Um, If you've ever had to lay a loved one to rest or even had to deal with death or a dead body, it's uh, death is not a pretty picture. I'll tell you it's, it's a hard thing, but Jesus Christ, here's the power of the gospel conquered death at the grave. Uh, Excuse me. But Jesus Christ 
conquered death at the cross. He defeated the grave. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is ready to save anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. You'll be truly set free. This is the bottom line of what's been shared over the last several days about the gospel. It's such good news. Oh, come to Christ now. Don't wait another second to receive this most incredible gift of salvation. And don't put it off because you don't know what a day will bring. Well, tomorrow, speaking of the gospel, we're going to be getting into a message called Bewitched. And I'm not talking about a television show from many decades ago, though that will be mentioned. But I'm actually talking about a group of believers possibly being bewitched, being ripped off um, by a false gospel. And those are out there. And we need to be careful. And we need to know the truth that actually sets us free. And we're going to have more about that tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, I want to just uh, take a moment to give you a word of encouragement. Even though there's a lot of chaos around us right now, keep your eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. His name is Jesus. He will see you through. And we will catch you tomorrow on the broadcast. God bless you. And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and to do free apologetic events all for the sole goal of equipping you as a believer or to help you learn more about Jesus if you're not a Christian. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow as Pastor Michael returns with a teaching in Galatians 3, 1 through 5 called Bewitched. And we're not talking about the old sitcom. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.